I find that's the most fascinating about this is that I was a bit of your fanboy. I used to watch your reel and I was like, this guy is, I can understand what he's talking about. He's an accountant I can actually understand. In fact, my other business partner knows about today and was like, oh my God, you're going to meet the real guy for the accountant. I'm like, yeah, okay, I am. So it's a pleasure, all, all mine as well, mate. It's not just uh, one way. It's still surreal. And I think the reason why I wanted to have this chat and, you know, I see your beautiful new car and all of that. I meet you in person sure. is uh, left is it, my business has really grown from social media. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be 37 this month and you know, we've grown up with this tech. I'm really interested in, in what you've built and how you've built it and what you've done. Now I'm going to let you introduce yourself because I think I'm not going to do you justice is to, so James, introduce yourself first. Um, so my name is James Eisen and 12 years ago I founded or started an Instagram account uh, called RKOI which standed for, stood for uh, the rich kids of Instagram. It, honestly it was a complete joke account. Um, it was back at the days of university I was on Instagram people were uploading photos of their food and their holiday photos from Portugal 2009 Yeah, and I got bored of that very quickly. I wanted to make an account that was posting things that I was interested in. I loved seeing luxury. I loved seeing young people showing off. Yeah. People on jets, people on yachts, doing ridiculous things in nightclubs, whatever it may be. So I made an account and did exactly that. I made this account, called it the Rich Kids of Instagram, took a screenshot of a very well-known, I can say the name, uh, Michael Dell's son on a private jet. Okay. He was the first post, posted this photo, some terrible caption something like too young to join the mile high club question mark <laughs> posted it went to bed woke up with three thousand followers oh wow and within i'd say 72 hours my life pretty much changed forever i was getting followers likes comments from all over the world i was posting three four times a day content that was of that genre of theme but yeah. also i learned very early on in social media same with most media there's no such thing as bad publicity or bad engagement yeah and instagram at the time because the algorithm was actually nice to people like me they just wanted to get whatever was doing really well at the top of people's news feeds so yeah. i would post things that were very provocative i would post people pouring champagne over watches over people uh, running uh, rolex watches over uh, with a lamborghini like <laughs> that video was pretty much went viral all over the world um and yeah, that, that's really it. It was chaos, absolute chaos. I remained completely anonymous at university. Okay. Which is kind of the opposite of a lot of businesses now because everyone wants to know who's behind it. Yeah. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed the uh, being anonymous essentially because no one could judge me. No one could realize that I was a kid from Leicester, not from money, never seen a private jet in real life, just yeah. used to post about it. Um, and yeah, I remained completely anonymous up until June 2020. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Eight, eight years. Fair play. Eight years, which was, in, in some ways, it was very clever. In other ways, I kind of asked myself, was it actually to prepare me for what I do now? And right. I think sometimes that's amazing how it evolves. And we'll get into what yeah. I do now and, and how it became a business. But yeah, so that's really where it all started, the chaos. Um, within two years, Channel 4 were making two seasons of the rich kids of Instagram, which is still available on 4 ad right now. Check it out. Um, and it shows the lifestyle of these uh, ridiculous kids. Some of them are really nice people. And as you can guess, most of them are not. 
Um, yeah. So yeah, that's again part of the business and the, the side of the world that I live in, dealing with personalities. And uh, yeah, so that, that's really kind of the start of it. What got me into what I do now. Good man. So with, and, and it's an amazing journey because you're at like what, 370,000 followers? I mean, I don't even use social media anymore. I don't even post on that account. You can go on there and check. I think the last post I did was about eight, nine months ago. Um, I think at our peak, we reached about 385,000. Um, I was one of the first accounts to be verified, so Blue Tick. Oh, wow. Which, as you know, in this day and age, it's like the holy grail. Definitely. People like work their absolute arse off and can't actually uh, ever get verified, which no. is crazy. The reason why I believe my account did so well very early on is because my account was picked up by the media, the traditional media. Nice. The people of the Daily Mail, uh, Forbes, BBC, China Daily, the other side of the world, they loved my account because it was content producing, it was provocative, yeah. it was always seasonal. At Christmas, we'd always be featured, what are the rich kids of Instagram doing this Christmas? What have they bought? What have they destroyed or whatever, you know? Um, people love to hate it. Yeah. I think because of that platform, the media jumped on it and that helped me, you know, become almost its own brand, its own genre of kids showing off and, you know, probably started this whole pandemic of people trying to pretend they're something they're not what as well. It, was it flexing, stunting? Flexing, stunting, yeah. just the general being arrogant and showing off. Um, so yeah. And then would people like DM you or can you feature us? Can can, can yep. you show us our stuff? Can you show me my stuff? Yeah, I think at the, at the peak, we were getting between 600 and 800 DMs a day. Oh, wow. Which, I mean, there's probably some OnlyFans girls out there that probably get more. But I mean, at the time, it was a lot to uh, actually like take on board and people were willing to pay me hundreds, if not thousands of pounds to feature on that account to kind of be legitimized, if you will, yeah. as someone with money. And I can guarantee you nine out of the 10 people that were doing that, it wasn't their car that they were posing next to, it no. wasn't their handbag, it wasn't what, you know, which is very similar to influencers today. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it's, kind of, it's kind of interesting, the psychology of it, mm. how an account that was dedicated to kind of being obnoxious and arrogant and showing off became almost, uh, you know, the source of, uh, the source of actually verifying if someone's got money or not. Yeah, that makes sense. So mostly young people, though. I'd, I'd say the average person was 20, 21 years old that was trying to get featured. Oh, fair play. So the interesting bit for me is, is when I first set up my practice, I don't have a visual product. So yeah. I, I've got no way of really standing out on social media. And um, I was putting content, I was putting posts up and trying to, I mean, I was dabbling in it myself when I'm an accountant. What do I know about graphic design? Mm -hmm. So playing about with it, trying to see what worked. I remember, um, like yourself, someone who just liked what I did, um, he reached out to me and he, he was pretty successful. Um, you know, yeah, I think he's got a couple of businesses. Um, shout out to Riz, if you, if you, if you, if you listen to this, is he said to me, that sounds beautiful. He says, he says, you need to start making videos. And I went, I've no idea. I don't like the look of myself. I don't want to get behind a camera. I hate it. Yep. Um, I'm not, I'm not a young man anymore. Uh, and this is in the last couple of years. So I started off with an iPhone just talking to camera and I've still got that content on my feed because yeah. I think it'd be disingenuous if I deleted it. Yeah. So I've still got it there. And then I started doing carousels, started doing posts and then people started resonating with it. People started picking you up with it. You got more confident, you got more comfortable, you worked out what worked for yeah. you. And, and I started leveling up as well. So like, um, I then bought a, a microphone for my, for, for my iPhone that sort of stuck into the bottom. And so the audio quality 
was better and then um and then the the audio quality was better so then i started buying lighting so i started buying uh better lighting so you know started started learning about what i'm hoping the mic's picking it up um <laughs> So, you know, what lighting worked and then started leveling up, bought better lighting rigging. You've just seen my setup at home. Yeah. It's, it's, there's, there's so much stuff dotted around. It's a complete lab. <laughs> it is a lab. Yeah. Uh, there's bits of lighting everywhere. There's wires, there's paraphernalia everywhere. I mean, we're currently mic'd up. There's a GoPro looking at us. So we're frantically looking for the suction cup to stick into the window, but we got there. Yeah. Um, well, that's, it, it's business. It's like business 101, isn't it? In order for you to reach that level, you have to invest in yourself. Yes. And that was your way of doing it. Yeah. Experimenting with this, taking on some feedback from yeah. a potential consumer or customer. And yeah. Then actually going, you know what? We're going to do this. We're going to do it seriously. Yes. It's a big step, isn't it, between someone that uses it as a hobby and actually goes for it as a yeah. business. Definitely. What's different to mine? I actually never produced any content. That's mad. So all my stuff that I've ever posted, of screenshots or their content that other people have sent me. Yeah. Which is completely different to influencers now that have to go out there and make their content. Yes. Again, it's it's a different I mean the algorithm didn't well won't like it as much now, but at the time that was the rules of the game. And with social media you are you are kind of depicted on Instagram's method of the madness. They'll tell you, okay, this yeah. this month reels are gonna perform well. Yes. We don't want you to tag location or we do want you to tag location. Like it, it would it's a science that people yeah don't really understand you can have the best photo in the world but if you're not playing the right rules of the game correct you're not going to get those followers those likes no and it's, it's weird i mean i don't know about you i bet you posted some content you thought oh this is going to smash it yeah and it's died to death and you're like i, I spent hours on that and yeah. then you've done other things and you've gone whoa so my best performing video took me the least amount of time Imagine. it was and i think i was frustrated and, and 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 i recorded it in frustration in that um I think I'd just been asked the same question over and over again. And I recorded that, how do I get paid as a, as a limited company? Mm -hmm. And that did, which is really important for someone like me. Yeah. And, 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 I, and I didn't understand it. I didn't understand why that one, because I think I gave some information, but I don't think I gave any real technical information. Yeah. But I've used that as the benchmark as why that video. Mm -hmm. So it's the, the hook, how to get paid. I'm telling you what I'm going to tell you already. Yeah. Um, and, the bit that really sort of worked for, for me was getting behind camera, um, slowly leveling up my, my video, leveling up the quality of the content, leveling up to the point where I'm now talking to my audience. And that really takes me to the crux of why we're having this conversation is, is you know, our, our demographic is dentists, but we'll work with businesses that want to grow and want to scale. Um, and I cannot stress how important it is to talk to your audience. I cannot stress how how just how important it is and on top of that it's not just talking to the audience it's actually understanding who your audience is. yes yeah the thing with the thing with my business what i do now instagram for me is useless yeah because the people that i sell my services or products to are not the people that follow my account no that gave me the foundation it's probably the same with you it's like yeah okay you, you're talking to dentists but are dentists necessarily going to be on reels maybe not but a dentist isn't a businessman necessarily yeah and they're going to be looking at somewhere, somewhere to go, oh, actually, I've set this limited company up. I didn't do this in business school. Yes. Because I went to university and learned dentistry. And uh, yeah, they're kind of thrown in the deep end, aren't they? And they're like, well, who do I yeah. turn to? So our demographic, specifically dentists, is, um, and the reason why it's dentists is from purely from a business perspective is it's much easier to add value to a niche. I've got a really morbid statistic. I think I told you about this. My stepdad's actually a dentist. Right. 
Um, and I don't know if it's still true. I know it was true about 10 years ago. The number one profession that people commit suicide is suicide rate, yeah. It's dentistry. Yeah. And majority of the suicides are linked to the psychological effects of running a business alongside a practice. Yeah. So there's two sides to it. We see it firsthand is the GDC, the governing body. The other side of it as well is no one's told you about your finances. No yep. one's told you about taxes. No yep. one told, no one tells you about payments on account. No one tells you any of this. Yep. So you've made money. You've made an amount of money. You may have gone and spent that amount of money. And now someone's giving you a tax bill for 30,000 pounds yep. that you have not got. Now you got, you, you're now in debt. You now need to make money to service that debt on which you're going to pay tax. So you're stuck in a, in, in a terrible cycle now. Now add on top of that a super stressful job where someone's now going to threaten your livelihood to the GDC. And now you're completely terrified of how am I going to pay that? Yep. And if, if the GDC strike me off, I'm, I'll never make enough money back to pay that. So one of the big things as well with dentists, my, nephew, uh, my stepdad experience firsthand is you're relying on people. Yes. Nurses in your practice, that your accountant, your financial advisor, you're relying so much on other people yes. that if you've not got those plates spinning in the correct way at the same time, it could all just come back, crash down. That, I think it's the background stress on top of yes. the day-to-day -day running and dealing with people. Yeah. Is, yeah, I mean, how often do you see a happy customer at the dentist? They're there for a reason, yeah, aren't and, they? And they hate going to it as yeah. well. So, But I think dentistry is a really weird business, and, and I think we'll, we'll bring it back full circle in a second is, a, you can earn a very good standard of income. B, you don't really have to find any business. Whereas you and I have to market to our audience. We have to cultivate leads. We have to we have to close sales. You know, it's the kind of thing we do, and that's the kind of thing we'll have to do. Whereas there's very few businesses where there's more patience and the, the demand is there already, and you can just pretty much open up open up shop. What we tend to find is dentists fall into practice ownership accidentally or they think it's a natural progression for their career. So they'll, they'll sort of go on their merry way, become really good clinically. They might earn 150 grand a year as a dental associate. So by default, they're self-employed after a year's worth of employment. They then go on to you know, earn a good standard of income. And then they think, well, I'll go open up a dental practice. Now, the, the conversations I have repeatedly about dental practice ownership and the like um, is, it, it, it's, it's, I mean, on Monday I had a conversation with someone where they're buying a dental practice and they've done no form of financial due diligence. Mm -hmm. None, none whatsoever. And they thought they'd, they'd reach out to me because their current accountant isn't equipped to deal with a dental practice. Um, I've come recommended. So they're like, well, can you take it on? And I was going, well, 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 before you've even got there, why are you buying this practice? Yeah. Is it financially viable? Why this practice? You know, will you need to will you need to replace the the equipment? Will you you know what what cost are you to put in? How much debt are you servicing? Will you have enough cash flow? Mm. And I, I haven't thought of any of that. But the bank will throw money at it. So the bank it, it's safe as houses. Lit, quite literally, yeah. is the bank will fund it. So which but was do you think do you think there's uh, that's maybe because banks are about to make a lot of money because the interest rates are going down. Of course, of course. I mean, you know as well as I do, dentist practices are always very centrally located, yep. prime property. Yep. As soon as this converted from residential to a commercial unit, if you will, that is like easy money every day for the bank because they'll yeah. find someone else to sell it to. And that's the thing is, is even if your business fails, and if you, let's say you build a dental practice from scratch, someone else will come take that on yep. quite comfortably. So, so from the bank's perspective, it's really easy to get into it. So you fall into practice ownership 
and you've not looked at any of the numbers, but you've gone from being a dentist that wasn't taught anything about finance to now being a business owner and not being taught anything about finance. But now you've got pension payments, you've got payroll, you've got NI payments, you've got staff, you've got HR, you've got suppliers, you've got waste management, you've got the CQC breathing down your neck. Yep. All of these extrinsic um, factors that you, that you weren't prepared for. And if you don't do it well enough, you'll actually make no more money than you did as an associate. Yep. And the, but the way they see it is, I currently make, I currently make hundred thousand pounds as a dental associate. I can make hundred thousand pounds through practice ownership, but that that's been paid down. And in fifteen years, I'll have a saleable asset. So yeah. that's the way they look at it, and that's the way a lot of dentists look at it now. I'm not saying all dentists, because that would be rude of me to generalise. But who's told them another way? Now, I'm a big believer of squat practice. So a squat practice is you build your own practice from nothing. You don't buy an existing customer base, but it's significantly cheaper. Mm. But you're now not taking on the headaches of someone else's practice. You get to build your practice in your image. And when I have these conversations with dentists who are saying they want to do this, I'm talking about how are you going to get bums in your seats? How are you going to speak to your demographic? What type of patients do you want? Yep. Who do you want to sit in your chair? What treatments are they used to having versus the ones you can actually do? Exactly. In dentistry, it's not just about like, you know, just drilling and filling anymore. No. It's implants, different machines, x-rays, all these weird and wonderful machines that cost hundreds of thousands a lot of them. It, it's not, yeah, it's not as simple as old copy and paste, is it? No, not at all. And then, um, and how are you going to get the, how are you going to get the patient in your chair? Which is why I then say, go speak to a social media person, go speak to a, a marketing company, go speak to a website builder that, that can bring your demographic in. So one of the things that we do is we will do a feasibility test where you'll want to you, you'll do a feasibility test to see, A, what your costs are, how many, how many people you need, what investment you need to make, and then determine the type of patient you want to bring into your chair. And which is where, I think this is why we're having this conversation really is, social media, it's, you, they've got such, they've got such a viable product where you can, there's before and afters, and everyone knows what they're looking for. And you know, the, the enhancement to beautification is so significant that everybody wants it, and they know what they're getting from you. And British dentists, you know, the turkey teeth, me, yeah. turkey teeth comment, <laughs> it's there for a reason, but it's actually now finally coming back to haunt a lot of people because yeah. the horror stories are coming out. And where did 99% of young people look first? Social media, yeah. So, Instagram. Yeah. And I think not leveraging that. So the statistic is there's 55 million people over the age of 18 in the UK. So if we're aiming for private dentistry, you've got 55 million and there's 40, 42,000 dentists. Wow. So I think that extrapolates to 1,300 people per dentist in the UK. There should be, there, there should be no challenge yeah. on you getting patients in your chair. Now, okay, not everyone wants that, not everyone, not everyone's ready to buy at the right time, but my God, there's a demographic to go after. Yeah, and, and they've got one set of seats. Exactly, one, and they, they need to look after it. And then, if you look at the, life, the, the lifetime value of a patient, we're talking about checkups, we're talking about fillings, we're talking about scale and polishes, we're talking about crowns, implants, Invisalign, orth orthodontics, we're talking about all these treatments that people don't know you offer, or why they should pick you. And it's, it, 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 it's, it's why I'm a big believer in this. I think it frustrates me when... I think, because again, I don't have a visual product, but if I had a visual product, that's what I would be doing. So tell me how you, so the whole point of this is, is how you leverage social media into a business. Yeah. So we've taken sort of a roundabout way to get here and quite literally a roundabout way to get here because we're, we're currently in the, in the sticks <laughs> and you're about to come to what I call the tattered mile where 
fill your boots okay. in, in, in a second. When it's straight, this, this bend, when it straightens up, fill your boots. And we'll, we'll do the, country, the national speed limit on a single country lane, which is 60 miles an hour. Yeah, of course. Uh, somewhere. Somewhere. Yeah. The dangerous thing is, you, you'll know, you put your foot down and you're just like, oh, yeah, this is great. And you look at your speedo and it's like, 60 I'm, miles an hour. Yeah, I'm actually going <laughs> 60 miles an hour at some point. And it, it doesn't feel like you're going 60 miles an hour. Not in the slightest. No. Not in the slightest. And I think this is why, this is, not, this is the thing about supercars versus fast cars is oh, they feel they feel like they should be going that yeah. 60 miles an hour yeah and not and not like an s3 that's been stage three and it's rattling and everything everything is rattling and you don't feel just a safe pe pebble will send you to heaven oh god yeah yeah well, it's it's that and, it, and hopefully the audio is well, hopefully it's working um i mean it's just the sound the performance the the break everything yeah. around high performance supercars it, it's just you can't describe no describe you can't. It. No, I, you took can't. My, I took my grandfather out um he kept saying to me, slow down. I was like, I'm, I'm doing 38. <laughs> it just sounds like you're doing 70. I'm like, I'm doing 30. Look, so I'm doing 38. So I, I went to go get a new, uh, a new RS6. Mm -hmm. I went to go get the C8. Um, prices were a bit silly on it, but that's what I went to go buy. And then looking at it, I was thinking, eight does, it doesn't sound anywhere near as glorious as the previous one without the OPF. And it's not twice the car. So I, I went and got a used car. Uh, a used RS6 in the interim whilst my, my, my car's coming in. I'm not telling anyone what that is yet. Uh, you have to stay tuned for that. It's an i3, guys. <laughs> it is fantastic. It's a BMW i3. Yeah. Uh, I you know, be my boy for life. <laughs> is with red, with red, red leather interior. <laughs> of course, it's got to have it. Um, Hounslow spec, as it were. So, um, so I got that, and, and, and it's been fantastic. But I think getting that at half the price of a new RS6, I'm not getting half the car. No, and and I, yeah, but and it'll make it easy to move it on when when the next one comes. So I think the the conversation we were having, James, was how you took rich kids of Instagram. So leveraging social media. So the whole the, I, mean, I cannot stress this point enough, and I'm really glad you're on. Is you built a social media presence, and then you leverage that into a business. Yep. Same way I've leveraged, not in the same way. I think you've done it far better than I have. But in the, in, in a similar vein, what I'm trying to achieve is I'm trying to demonstrate value. So people yep. can see what they're getting. It's almost like a try before you buy. Yeah. And first, the, first, first rule in, in my experience, and I don't know if necessarily it will happen sooner or slower than hopefully to whatever your goal is. I never ever set out to make it a business. Yes. From the start. Yeah. For me, it was followers, likes, engagement. Hundred percent. But I was also very young, so I was eighteen. Yeah. So for me, that's that was my currency. That was my social currency. Is, yeah, yeah, the, that engagement, and I still think it's the case now. You should not be on social media trying to sell. No, you should not be on social media necessarily to find your customer. You should be there to experiment with your brand, Definitely. your guidelines, find out how, yeah, the brand you want to represent. How does it want to be seen online? And naturally, if it's seen in a particular way or from a certain perspective, yeah. that will bring you your target client. Yes, what I, what I, I did it in a way that. I attracted businesses. So RKOI brought on board luxury brands because they wanted to be featured. So I learned yep. from them what was important to them. First thing is demographic, like the age range, okay? Might be a bit too young, this they, have they got the disposable income? So I was learning very early on, okay, I need someone that's in that disposable income bracket. Yep. I need someone that relates to this content, that wants to be seen in the imagery and the content that I'm posting. Yep. And it, it's, it's the same with any business. If you're, I don't know, let's just say you, you use, uh, we use cars. Yep. If, you're, if you're posting about really high performance 
cars, you're going to find the audience of really high performance cars. Yes. But if you're not posting about how to pay for it, yes, you're not going to find the people who actually want to do it, Correct. want to learn and work hard on how to afford it. And that, that for me was the, the second thing for Bridge Kids was I had this audience of 385,000 people around the world but very, very few of them could afford what I was actually yeah. inevitably trying to sell to them. Um, but it still gave me the opportunity to network in the industry to find out when I did find that person, yeah. how could I sell them the car, the jet, the hotel, whatever they wanted. Um, so it, it honestly depends what your business is, always going to, but I would always say you don't go into social media, you don't post to get revenue. 100%. You post yeah. to find your brand, to find your guidelines which will inevitably be the target customer you're trying to get to i think what's 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 insane is if you look at any of my content none of it says why you should use me none of it no none of it says why you should use me but when you see a big bold head on a blue background you think i'm going to learn something magic yeah. and then the the idea for us and how it's how it's worked for, for us is um people see all of that and they they think a, I'm going to learn something. B, by the time they've come into a conversation, to, to have that conversation with us, it's no longer why I should use you, it's how can we work together. Mm. And now that's enabled me to sell at a higher price point because I'm selling value. As long as I meet the value that I'm selling, I can sell at a higher price point, which allows me to reinvest in the business that ultimately the customer benefits from. Yep. Whereas if I'm just trying to burn and churn tax returns, nobody wins from that. Yep. It, 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 it's, it's, it's a net zero game mm. uh, and, it, and it doesn't work. You use what once, twice a year, that's it. Exactly. And nobody gets a benefit because the, the client then doesn't benefit from what they could know. I don't benefit from it because I'd lose even more hair and I'd, I'd be bolder than I am now. Yeah, that's, that's the, I think, our similarities. And even in my weird and wonderful brand that I created, it's the education piece. Yeah. It's the, here's some free information that actually, it's the reason why I followed you. It's the reason, because I, I was being educated in a yeah. way that I was like, actually, I don't. I don't need to Google this. Yeah. This guy knows what he's talking about. He's qualified. He's in a position of like credibility pretty much instantly. And it's short to the point, which yeah. is exactly how I, how I like to get my information. Um, but it's the same with social media. You've got such a small window to yes. grab someone's attention. Yeah. The first, it's not even a second. It's probably a third of a second yeah. to make someone go, oh, and not just do the dreaded swipe up yeah. next reel or next post. Yeah. Um, and a lot of brands, they put so much money into like really big campaigns and, and, and I, what they believe to be eye catching and yet they lose to a 15 year old kid in the bedroom that just <laughs> drew a smiley face on a piece of paper and does that with yeah, an a four swing about right yeah so um, the, the i think when we when we well i say we, when i speak to clients about social media they're thinking about they're, they're thinking about if i spend x amount on social media i should get y back and it doesn't work that way it's not it, it, it's marketing. Marketing is not sales. Marketing is like, and you've, you 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 summarize it so succinctly, which is it's social currency and it's brand awareness. Vanity metrics. Yeah, it's vanity metrics. But I, I love it. I, I mean, in, in my line of work with, with what I do, um, I will get reached out by influencers, people that have got treble, quadruple, 10 times the followers I have. Yeah. Oh, can you sort me out a private jet? I'll do you a story. I'm like, that's great, but the private jet's going to be 15,000. Yeah. And your followers are all 14 to 16 year old kids. Yeah. They're not going to be buying or chartering private jets anytime soon. Yeah. And it, it's that vanity metrics. I think it's a human thing of like, oh, they've got X number of followers. Yes. And that's, oh, that, therefore, they're powerful. But honestly, some of the best businesses, actually, funnily enough, some of my clients, 
a pod, they've got any social media. Yeah. They've got, like, I know one person that's got about 12 followers and just posts photos of her dogs. One of my biggest clients. Fair play. Like, she doesn't need to be vain online. No. Um, and I think it's the same with smaller businesses. Sometimes small is beautiful. Yeah. Having 10,000 followers or 1,000 followers of your clients, yeah. your friends, your fans, making customers, your fans that every time you post, they go, yeah, I like it, I'll share, I'll share with my friends, I'll comment on it, I'll give you some good feedback, even, yeah. even not be afraid to give negative feedback. That's amazing. I'd rather have that than a million followers. Definitely. Captive audience is way more, way more important because I think my, my wife got caught out with this. Someone reached out to her, I don't know. Influencer. Probably, yeah, yeah. <laughs> influencing in, in big inverted commas. Um, ended up, she did it as a discounted rate. Turns out it bought his followers. Because I didn't know about it until afterwards. And I know you can use Social Blade to see when it spiked. And he had bought 20,000 followers. Yeah. And, and, and you only had to look at his engagement to see at 30,000 followers, he was getting 20, 30 likes. It doesn't correlate. It does not compute. So the, the bit that you said before about social currency is if you're, if you're giving the market what they want. And, and the analogy I use, I was 16 and I had toothache. I went to the dentist. Dentist says you need to have a root canal. I didn't know what a root canal was. I was 16, so I didn't, have to, I didn't, didn't need to have a parent with me. And then um, I, I, I had the root canal. So then apparently the root canal didn't take because I, I was still in pain. So the dentist then said, I need an extraction. So, okay, extraction, I think I know what that means. That means I'm gonna, I'm gonna, have, I'm gonna lose a tooth. But didn't then tell me what my options were thereafter. Mm. And that, that was 20 years ago. And I still think about it. I yeah. still think about the fact that I've got a gap in my tooth line that could have been filled a long time ago. Or, or, or I had options, but I did not know what those options were. So if, if you're trying to leverage social media, and you said it right at the start, is identify your audience. Who are you trying to talk to? Who are, and more importantly, what are you trying to tell them? Yeah. And if you're trying to tell them something, how, do then, how, how can they then get back in touch with you? So things like my booking systems on, on, on my link in my bio that says, if you want, the link on there that says, kindly, and it says, I want to work with Heathrow Green. And even the use of that language mm. is, I want to work with Heathrow Green, not a new client inquiry. It's how can we work together? And I think we're yeah. in a fortunate position where we get to pick and choose who we work with. And it's amazing how many brands that have got such an amazing presence offline. Yes. Get it so wrong. So wrong. On, online. And five-star hotels are a prime example of it. Yeah. Five-star hotels are just the same photo taken from a bird's eye view of a coffee in the morning with a breakfast yeah. somewhere. But, you know, like, it, it, it just fascinates me because majority of their marketing is word of mouth. Yeah. If you have a good stay, nine times out of ten, you're probably going to tell someone, oh, we stayed there, it was really good. Of course. Oh, we had that room, it was really good. Yeah. Very few people will actually go on their Instagram of the hotel beforehand. No. But yet they put so much money into it, spend thousands and thousands of agencies to take the same stupid photo yeah. of someone's cross on, on breakfast. <laughs> and I mean, it, it, it's, it's about understanding that the online world is so very different to offline and the balance between doing something because everyone else is doing it versus doing something that's actually relevant to your business and your target customer. Yes. I mean, I had so many copycats. In my, in my business, there's so many different rich kids pages yeah, now. Rich, rich kids of London, London, rich kids of yeah. Rich kids of London started the year after we, we started. Yeah. He doesn't have a business that does what I do because he doesn't, he, he kept on the platform of, I'm just going to take $150 pounds or whatever yeah. to do a story. Um, I mean, he's made money from it, fair play. Yeah, yeah. But it's not going to be the same sort of elevation as what I've achieved because no. he didn't see the bigger picture. And again, that's because I think people were so focused on vanity metrics 
yeah. like millions of followers, the blue ticks, everything else, versus actually what it brings in reality. Because it's the people that spend money with you that actually yes. not the people necessarily that just are on your profile. So I, I've had someone, so we're, we're going to stop flirting around what James does in a second. So I know, I know we're teasing that point. So I had someone reach out to me recently. So a couple of accountancy firms saying, um, how have you got, I mean, Anthony Joshua follows me on Instagram, nice. which, which is insane, but that doesn't mean anything. He's not, I, know, I love it. Please don't unfollow me, Anthony, if you're listening to this. Is Can you please fight Tyson Fury, though? Yes, please, please fight Fury. Please. Yeah, um, yeah. We'll, we'll do the marketing for <laughs> we'll, we'll sort it out. Should be an easy yeah, one. We'll promote that. Yeah. How hard can it be? But funny <laughs> enough, I don't think we'll have to push that hard. No, I think we'll, we'll be all right from that. But Anthony Joshua following me does not make me any money. Yeah. It doesn't, because he's not a client of mine, and I don't even think I could take him on as a client, because how could I possibly service his needs and wants? Anthony, I'll give it a bloody good go. But it's... It, that doesn't mean anything. And I had someone reach out to me going, um, I've been plugging away at my business, uh, accountancy practice, I've been plugging away at my business for X, X amount of years. I can't seem to attract clients. Um, how do I get the following that you have? And I said to him, look, the following is not what gives you clients because you know, the proportion of clients we have to the followers we have, it's not proportionate. It doesn't, it doesn't make a difference. But what it does do is it gives you some social cachet that says people like what you say, therefore I'm more inclined to listen to what you have to say. Yeah. But when, you, when I looked at his social media, I looked at what he was doing, I was like, well, you're not telling your audience anything. I can't tell from your, from your website, from, from anything, who you're talking to. Yeah. I can't tell. And what, what are you trying to tell them? Because there's no, there's no co cohesion to any of there's it. There's nothing worse than when someone sees, even, even if it's a business you like and you see their social media posts and you yeah. see the 18 hashtags yeah. that they've just paid some person in an agency that doesn't have a clue who they are no. to just get the generic hashtag Wanderlust to a hashtag holiday yeah. board. Whatever it is, like there's nothing worse as a customer because you just feel, oh, that's cheap. Yes. Oh, that's a shame. They're such a good person, but it comes across so bad. Yeah, and it, and it, and it's heartbreaking to see yeah. that. So, and, and I'm no, I mean, I'm by no means very good at this. I just think I've I've been forced into this, and I've I've been forced to be different. And I think it's the way my mind works is a I don't want to pay an agency to do my marketing for me because then I'm I'm at their mercy and I don't want to be in that position. Second thing is. How do I how, how how do I differentiate myself and create a USP that's different to my competitors? Because they're still not doing it. Yeah. And it's and it's and it's and it's not an easy thing to do. It's not an easy thing to really pick up a camera and start talking to it. Um, and it's taking me. My wife's brilliant at it, um, and she's so good in front of camera. But again, she, she there's no cohesion to what she's trying to tell people. Mm. Um, and that's what we're working on with her now. Um, so let's stop flirting with it. And James, you built RKOI. How did you turn that into a following, into you know a, a, a presence, the verification, and almost the status, the celebrity status? How did you turn that into a business, and what is that business? So, we'll start with why, I guess, grew the account and how I did that, and that was purely copying and pasting. I was copying and pasting what worked. I looked at the posts, I was realizing that okay, content that was associated with travel. Yeah. which was associated with the extremes. Yes. Was getting good engagement. It was trend spotting. Yeah, it was it was getting you know the recognition people suddenly started appearing in my DM or inbox saying, "Oh, where's the hotel?" Yeah. Oh, what what restaurant's that? Have you ever uh, been to this restaurant?" They were asking me. Yeah. as a source of that content for the expertise in that. Thing. And over time, that suddenly became, "Oh, can you book me a restaurant?" "Oh, can you book me this hotel room? Which is the best hotel in Paris to stay at, James?" Like where does all the rich kids like like to stay or go? Yeah. Okay. So then it became, right, I've got people that are willing to go to these places to spend money. 
surely there's got to be a way to make money out of this. That yeah. was it. The commission, straight commission. I was booking restaurants. I was earning between five and sometimes seven percent on a table if it was a good oh, restaurant. Um, and I was just phoning them up, being a kind of, uh, I used to call it Ask James instead of Ask Jeeves, um, <laughs> kind of service. Yeah. And that's it. That's inevitably how it started. It started with people asking for restaurants, which was then translated into hotel rooms, which was then translated into how do they get there? So was it commercial flights or was it private jets? Yeah. Um, and then it was, oh, my birthday's coming up. Where can I get that handbag? Or my husband's uh, done well at work. I want to get him a new watch. Okay, so the personal shopping element here. And it was kind of like, I say it was bought out of nothing, but it wasn't. It was bought out of the credibility of having good engagement Definitely. with loyal followers that like my stuff. Yes. And understanding what my customers, my followers liked and making that essentially into money or monetizing it. Yeah. Um, it isn't as easy as it sounds. Um, I mean, there's a lot of pros and cons with working in luxury and, and the amount of people you get. I did some stats once, uh, I think it was back in about 2015, um, which was quite heartbreaking, which I believe 96% of every request I received over Instagram either didn't pay, um, didn't respond, or never visited again. Oh, wow. So if you think about that in just simple terms, yeah, um, we have definitely got to know that. Yeah. Um, 96 people out of 100 are useless to me. Yeah. But and that, that's a vanity metric then, isn't it? So it, that's exactly that, that, that's people looking at your your three hundred odd thousand followers and thinking he must be coining that. And but the, the real number is it's one percent of that that, I, that actually converts I, to anything meaningful. I can tell you tens tens of hundreds thousands of people that have got millions millions of followers that are doing side jobs. There's one of the biggest meme accounts. Uh, I won't say who it is. I'll tell you afterwards. Yeah, it's got. 4.8, and funny enough, he's actually a chartered accountant by trade because he can't make can't monetize it. He's got one of the biggest meme accounts in the UK, can't monetize it. Why? Okay. Because brands don't want to be associated with that kind of content. No. Um, and I learned very early on, again, vanity isn't going to pay my bills. It's not no. going to get me where I want, but it'll get me into that world. And yes. again, learning what people are into. Okay, I learned very quickly people love to travel. They love to go to a nice place, they love to eat a nice place, they love to have the nice watches, the nice car, the, the handbag. Yeah. How can I build a company out of that? Um, so as mentioned, it started with the restaurants, the ho uh, hotels, into the holidays. And then I think there was a shift of, I can't take on the masses. I can't be dealing with 30, 40 requests for hotels at once. I was a one-month yeah. back. And as you know, you've only got 24 hours in a day. Correct. As much as money is money, you can't always give someone the right service. Correct. So then I went a level again, higher. I wanted to really find that. Not one percent, but that zero point one percent of wealth. Yeah, um, in fact, just magically appeared to target and to work with, so I could get a handful of clients and make my career off that versus serving the masses, which is funny enough the opposite yeah. of social media. Yeah, but without social media, I'd never have had that education and that experience of, I guess, almost failing. Yeah, to actually get the education and knowledge to go. Mm, okay, let's try this because I've got a proven model. Yep that works up to a point, and now I need to find that target customer. It's brilliant, and I think if we dilute that to its essence, you've taken the data you have from your audience, yep. and you've refined your product to sell to a demographic within that audience. Yep. So if we sort of pull that back down to any sort of small business, be it dentist, anyone, is find out what your audience likes, 
So in your case, it was the travel, travel the watches. Travel was the main thing. So yeah, so, so, so travel's the main thing. So if you're a small business and you've got a range of products. I've never seen so many pheasants. <laughs> this, is, this is how you know you're in Cheshire. Yeah, wow. Is uh, you're, you're, you're identifying your audience and by collating that data, you're able to know what they want. Mm -hmm. And then by knowing what they want, you're able to then market to, to that need and it has to be to a need. And then it gets to the point where you get to name your price per se. This is, this is my price to work with me. Everything you're saying removes this element of guess. Yes, yes. And even experiment. Yeah. Because you already know, because the data is in front of you. Exactly. You. you know that if you offer a room at the Shangri-La Hotel because it performed really well on Instagram and yeah. it's cheaper than booking.com or yeah. wherever, I know there's an audience for it. Yeah. It's not a, I'm going to tell them what I want to sell them. Correct. They really know what they get. That's the issue with social media. People just put it down the next one. No one ever buys, and then suddenly social media is bad, yeah. or they change some of their agency. Yeah. That remove the element of guess. And there's no and there's no call to action either that says right. You've you've done all the hard miles, but now give them a reason to to get in touch with you, or make it easy for them to get in touch with you. Now, if your call to action at the end, like for dentists, is call up the receptionists you're now putting the success or failure of that lead into the hand of a receptionist who doesn't care about your business as much as you do. Yep. So well, why not Why not create a Calendly link or a Bookly or, or Timely or whatever it is yep. and get them to book in with you? Because you can now do that consultation outside of office hours. Now, if you're, if you're doing consultations outside of office hours, the, 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 you're going to attract a type of client that's busy during office hours. So now they, they're prepared to pay more for convenience because... For them to take a day off work might cost them more money than, than the saving that they could have to go somewhere else cheaply. And it's it's that difficulty you have with social media, which is probably one of the biggest foundations you have in business and sales, is trust. Yes. Social media can give someone an element of trust. People buy from people, people Definitely. buy from personalities. I, I think you can have a personality clash, but you can't really have a value clash. No. If you have a value clash, you will not be able to work with each other. No. You can like different things, but if your values are in the same place as a a salesperson or as a customer, then nine times out of ten you'll have a deal of some sort. Yeah. But getting that is extremely difficult. And I think one of the amazing things that particularly a dentist, you're gonna need to trust because yes. someone is letting you literally go into the most intimate place in their yeah. in their body to fix whatever pain they're in. Yeah. And that needs to be portrayed only verbally or physically point in person yeah. versus just off an advert. And and here's the thing is if, if you, people, like dentists are really marketing the, the sexy stuff like the Invisalign and all the big ticket items, but it's the nervous patients that will make you a millionaire. Yeah. Because A, they'll, they're pedantic, so they'll keep coming to you. Yep. And the lifetime value of a patient is higher, and B, the material costs is about 13% of the value, of the value of the treatment. So you don't have to go and spend bags and bags and bags on all these fancy scanners and materials and lab fees. Like an Invisalign treatment, if it's like, let's say it's three and a half grand, Twelve hundred pound of that is going back to Invisalign, just for the just for the retainers, and uh, and then half of that goes back to the dentist. But then you've probably got five or six appointments with it. So when when you look at the profit per hour, it's not really that attractive. But if you look at something like a crown, where if you're able to mill it on site, it's far more profitable, far more profitable, and you can do them quicker, and you can turn them around quicker. And if you target nervous patients you'll do better in the long term. But this goes back to who are you talking to? One of the most successful practices that we have on our books has a very average website, but talks to their demographic. So it's calm, uses the right colors. It doesn't, it's not flashy. It just talks to nervous patients. Yeah. It talks to 
we'll, we'll look after you, we'll take care of you, and you're in safe hands. Yeah. And that's what it generates. That's, that's the, the next stage, isn't it, after knowing your customer is knowing your business and what works. I mean, I, I explained to you, I started with restaurant bookings. Yeah. I learned, again, from social media, I wasn't able to handle the volume of people asking for a table for two at yeah. ZZ's or whatever it was. Yeah. And it wasn't worth my time. I was only earning 5%, whereas I could spend, you know, an extra hour, two hours, and earn thousands of pounds with a client selling them a watch. Yeah. So it's that upsell opportunity as well. Yeah. Um, that if you can get that nervous patient to phone you up, you might yeah. realize there's actually more than just the initial thing that attracts them on the, on the social media ad. Exactly. And I think... One of the things that we do is, um, like I say, when I, when I first started the business, we were growing, we were trying to build a presence, we were trying to build a brand, so we were sort of less selective who we work with, and that that bit me in the ass massively, to to the point where they, you know, my time got used and abused. People weren't really um, time wasters is something that not a lot of people actually talk about, even no. successful people. Yeah, they talk about time wasters. What, how much they've given away? Exactly, and it was it was things like I mean, we had someone recently who um, took all the advice. who was a client of ours. Took all our advice and then went and found another accountant that was cheaper. And I went, that's fine. You clearly haven't understood the value of what we offer, but that's okay because we're not for everyone. Yeah. And then he went, well, can I get a refund for what I've had so far? I went, well, no, no, no you've had all the advice and all the meetings and it went well I expect the advice I don't expect to be charged for it in what universe do you live in that you don't think the advice is and I, again I don't have a physical product so I can't sell you anything I don't I don't have to hand over there's no I'm not doing you know a treatment or anything is you're paying for the knowledge that's in my head so if I've given you that then I've done what I've done and I think recently and this is, this is shocking I had a client email us about um, he loves what we do loves what we're about when he joined us, he was, uh, he was also evaluating another accountancy practice. So he wants, he's going to enter us into a competition, the best accountant wins. And I went, no, no. It's, it's, it's very difficult though, isn't it? When you're, when you're starting your business, yes. you want a customer. You yeah. want someone to pay the bill. You want someone to, you want to win. You want yeah. to win someone. So you, you kind of entertain it. Yeah. But that's, that's not a good business on both sides. No, it isn't. Always gonna, even if you would, there's always a chance to make another round two with another account. Exactly. Any point. Exactly. Why would you want a customer like that? Exactly. But then we've got clients who love what we do and, and we love working with them. I think the really exciting thing for us is when you give them the guidance. I mean, these are successful people. These are super intelligent people that we work with. And I think if you, if you and, and we, we educate. So if it's, if it's a yes, we'll explain why it's a yes. If it's a no, we'll explain why it's a no. We'll show you the variables. We'll show you the parameters that we're working with because that's the tax system. So I've got an extreme version of this. So in my business, it's taken me 10 years to get probably this arrogant. And it's not arrogant because it's calculated arrogance. Yeah. That's what I like to say. But particular. If I have a referral or someone comes to my business and say, hi, James, I want you to do my holidays, I want you to do my jets, I want you to do this. And I do not know who they are. Yeah. I'll ask for 100 grand as a joining <laughs> fee. And people are like, what? Well, how can you do that? What am I getting for 100 grand? The person that I'm trying to target isn't going to even question that. They're no. not even going to, because they're going to understand that that's the level that we operate. Yeah. The jets that we are selling are easily 40K round trips very quickly. Yeah. Watches are into the six figures. The, the hotel, we, we, that's what we special, that's our job. Yeah. And I've, I had to go through the mill on that. I had to listen to a lot of bullshit. I had to be treated a certain way to get to that point. And it's a, a very basic barrier of entry because you're buying into that customer just as much as they're buying into you. Yeah. Sorry, we've got a pedestrian that's... 
extremely nervous. Maybe she needs some dental work. Well, probably is, yeah. N n nervous pedestrians. Bless her. Well, that's scary. Um, but it, it's a two-way street, and I think a lot of businesses actually forget that. Yes. You have got the power to say, actually, no, they're not the type of people. They're going to be hard work. We're better off just copying and pasting the nice people we yeah. get because they're the people that are going to tell people. They're the people that come back. Um, but yeah, you have that. But you'll know you'll know what worked to attract that nice person in. Yeah. So just do more, more of that. Them. Yeah. Just do more of that. Yeah. And then really look after them, and then do what you said you were going to do. Yeah. Because I think what we found early on was I don't discount, and I hate discounting because when I discounted, it bought the wrong type of person in. Um, it bought the wrong type of person who would then recommend their friends who were the wrong type of person. Mm -hmm. and it, or they'd say, oh, I got a discount. Yeah. yeah. And then you realize it's sort of, again, a race to the bottom. But then the the, the, the clients that we work with, and again, the, the, the exciting thing for us is, is we've taken on a client who was a sole trader. We've gone through their options. They've realized the limited company is a good thing for them. And then um, from that, we've shown them how they can save thousands. But then from that, it's allowed them to start investing in property, start putting money towards dental practice. So just by having that conversation with them and showing that, giving them the confidence, they're now able to make effective business decisions. And that's what we do as a practice is, yeah. is we don't sell tax returns. We don't sell, you'll, you'll pay the least amount of tax possible. What we sell is advocacy is if you've got a question, we'll answer it. That sounds like an ice ice. You know, if you've got a question, yo, I'll resolve it. Check out your hook while, while the accountant resolves it. Love that. <laughs> When's tax, the album dropping? Tax, baby, take off, take off. So that's that, that's the thing that we do, and I think. But I've had to build to that, and yeah. what people see is almost what it looks like now. But they don't look like that. Look, don't look at the hard miles, the the evenings I've agonised over why that post, why why didn't that do very well? Does this meet my brand values? Does this meet the kind of movement? the anxiety as well that you go through? Yeah, and as a as a business owner, of yeah. am I am I doing the right thing here? Yeah. Am I not coming across an idiot or am I actually, you know, going against what I really want to do? Yeah. It's, it's a thing that, you know, we will have to go through at some point, but the sooner businesses get to that point of yeah. realizing that initial barrier, that initial tick box on yeah. their side for their customer, the better. Yeah. It's and so powerful. I think right. there's a temptation to fall down the um, jump on trends and start doing like silly dances and stuff. And don't don't do it. When are you doing the TikToks? Well, we're doing them together now. Right. Okay. <laughs> um, the be a lot of outtakes. So, f funnily enough, TikTok is probably the best platform to test material by country mile. Is you will know whether within about two hours whether that whether that reel was any good or not. Mm. And because the TikTok 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 algorithm is unbiased, and everyone gets a fair crack at the whip. So, if you've put terrible content out, then you're not gonna it's not going to get picked up by the algorithm. If it doesn't get picked up by, picked up by the algorithm, don't do it. Mm. We had a client conversation last week. That was hard for me to say. I had a client conversation last week where he was spending around 45 grand uh, a year on boosting ads. And I went, well... 45,000 pounds. Yeah, boosting ads. And I went, I went, well, what, what's your rationale for boosting ads? Because well, I just boost everything. So I was like, but... Surely you need to know what works before you boost it. It was like, no, we just create a post and we just boost it. And and I was like, but you could have spent half that boosting the right type of content and made way more money on the back of it. Yep. And he went, I haven't got the time. But he, he does really well. He's really successful in what he does. And I think this was a an experiment for him. But not everyone has that luxury. Mm -hmm. um, so sort of heartening back to not just dentists, it's any any business owner that wants to get noticed, that wants to scale their business, wants to grow their business, is 
talk to your audience and, and demonstrate value, understand what problem your, your, your clients are faced with and give them a solution. Now, our problem is our dentists don't feel as though they get value. They don't feel as though they get uh, any options and they don't and they hate the fact that they get their numbers the last the last month before it's due because they've got this unparalleled anxiety that they it's just horrible. So if we can fix those three things, then now we now now we do that as a baseline. But the conversation is now. So what? We fixed all of this. What do you want to do now? And that's the bit that I love focusing on is because the the conversation is the reason the conversation you and I've been having for a while is this is an R eight we're in V ten and it's beautiful is can you actually believe i was contemplating going electric no but I, I, I well you it. saw my message yeah. you, but at one point it was well that's all google was telling me <laughs> you should go was, but you're never gonna you're never gonna sit on your deathbed and go i'm glad i saved tax if you like cars you don't ever go oh no. tesla no you don't and no. to be honest the people that bought teslas are all regretting it now they are regretting the it quality the the absolute ridiculous when when we had that cold snap at the winter, yeah, yeah, and cars were going from like 280 range down to 130, 140. Yeah, and you saw these videos of people at South Mims uh, service sta uh, station. Shout out! Um, <laughs> they were waiting 40 minutes to charge a Tesla. Yeah, and there was rows and rows of people. So yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the thing that also I didn't really understand is this whole environmental case of it. Oh, no. oh it's, it's really good. No, lithium how do, how do you mine lithium yep. i don't think you use electric battery powered diggers nope and the children in slave labor camps are also mining it correct to get your tesla on the road correct but yet people like that are going to have a go at myself yeah. and other v10 users yeah. Yeah. um just because we've got a car that makes a bit more noise than them yeah right? it's uh all yeah. you've done is you've decentralized the pollution so you've taken out in a city in your nice area and you've made it someone else's problem yeah and Tesla then sells the carbon credits. Yeah. Um, so it, 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 it's, I don't know, I think it, it's, yeah, it's not, not for me. I'm not ready to go. I got offered a Taycan um, and I was contemplating it, but it's not for me. Anyway, so the bit I was saying, we're in a beautiful R8, which you've just, you've paid cash for. Yeah. Yeah. And which that, is mad when you think about it. it. And, it and, it's, and it's amazing to, to say you could do that. So, you know, a lot of people will talk about influencer. I've seen your accounts. Because you've you seen, sent them to me. You've seen the growth of the accounts yeah. as well. You, you've, sent, you've sent me the accounts because I'm not James's accountant, and this isn't a plug, not, not at all. Um, James got his account, he's quite happy with his account. I, but as people know, I'm quite happy to have a conversation because it leads to weirder, wonderful things like this. Um, is you've sent me your accounts, I've seen what you've done, and I've seen what you earn. So if someone was telling me what they did and didn't send me the accounts, then I wouldn't believe them. But yeah. I didn't ask to see your accounts. We were having a conversation about how you could pull money out to do what you want to do. Yeah. And it just got to the point where we said, it is what it is. Yep. You, know, you really want the thing, yep. pay the tax. Yep. To, to, to an extent, there was you know, a solution. We had, we had, we had a bit of backwards and forth yeah. with the finance company. Yeah. It got to the point where the finance people were pretty much almost ruining the experience of the yeah. dream supercar because yeah. they were discrediting me as an individual based on my tax return and based on the fact that I had paid myself for the last two years of my books. Yeah. So on company's house, so if you will, I didn't have any money. No, because you're building business. And I had an account which you saw, had, yeah. had a bit of change in it and I could afford it. Yeah. I was at the mercy of the, yeah, the PCP people yeah. who wanted to have a great day out and make £38,000 in interest oh, over three years. Tell me that the car isn't mine at the end of the contract because I'd have a balloon payment. Yeah. Um, I just sat there and we went through it, and we it just made complete sense. And yeah. I was in a position where I thought 
this is what I want. Well, the tax, because you're going to pay it off anyway. Yeah. Is the tax implications, uh, let's turn left here. The tax implications were cheaper than the interest payments. Mm-hmm. And yep. why? And then if, if, if that's the most cost-effective solution, then it's the most cost-effective solution. Now, the benefit is you own this asset in your name. Now, it is an asset because there's no debt on it, which means if you ever need to liquidate it, you could. Now, we've seen the car market go pretty crazy in the last couple of years that says, if this car holds in value, brilliant, you'll just roll it into the next car. Funnily enough, the RA, it discontinued this month. Exactly. Might have known about that. Yeah. <laughs> I also did a bit of research into the colors of them. I wanted a, a niche color. Yeah. Um, very lucky my car's camo green. It's very, very rare. It was discontinued in 2018. I was about to call it Heathal Green. Or Heathal Green. can rename it. We'll make it what we want. Um, and yeah, again, just that bit of extra research into it. I took yeah. my time. Like I've, I've worked 10 years for this yeah. to get to this stage. Um, but the ironic thing about it, even though I, I'd say I'm okay at sales, I can understand my business, I, I'm okay at making money, I've got a talent for that. I did not have an idea in the foggiest how I could go about yeah. paying myself, buying my dream car. I was given so many different options through Google. Yeah. Even YouTube wasn't helpful. No. Um, and at the end of the day, you were so kind and, and I'm so grateful. I was pest- I felt like I was pestering you at one point. <laughs> Like he's going to put a restraining order on my DM or something. I think that there's some people where I'm quite happy to do it. I think what I find quite rude is where people will jump into my DMs and ask me a super complex tax question, give me no hello, hi. no hi, um, or or nothing, or not, not engage with any of the content, nothing like that, but then really expect a bespoke tax answer. So, so I, I get that. Oh, how much is that? Yeah. Then people just want to know the price. Yeah. Like, oh, you pay me, I'll tell you. <laughs> yeah, I, I do that. I do that. Someone, 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 and I send him a link to my, my, my Stripe payment yeah. that says, hey, I'll give you an answer. But yeah. some people who are dead polite will come into So please, I'll, I'll give, I'm, I'm really giving when it's just be polite. Is It doesn't cost anything and it takes my time. Is um, it, It's fine. I mean, I'm married, I've got, I've got two kids and I work a lot. And also, timing of those questions is really important. That if you're going to jump into my DMs at 10 o'clock at night, I'm probably with my wife. So, you know, there, there's going to be times where um, some people keep badgering and I think it's rude and then I'll just block them. Yeah. Because it's rude, but, you know, it's that's, that's, that's the answer. You wouldn't stand outside someone's door tapping on their window yeah. at 10 o'clock at night, would you? So no. why would you do it on a message? So let's, let's, let's wrap this up with the negative side of social media. You know, it doesn't matter what necessarily you put out there. The dark side of social media is you are allowing people an option. The yeah. platform to have a go at you and it might make them feel better for a little bit but the best way to deal with it over 12 years of being online on social media is you don't understand their life as much as they don't understand yours the way that i deal with it very simple i just block yeah so i've got the block button is your best friend block a block a block it's a shame you can't block people in real life <laughs> it'd be nice if you could just went it'd be nice if you could so I don't post about my wife and kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I love my wife and kids, and I don't want to give people access to that because yeah. that's so personal to me, that's so precious to me that I don't want to put it online. Uh, There's a lot of psychology in, in couples that post on their stories and people that don't. We won't get into that. But I, 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 I know there's a lot of psychology yeah. in it, but yeah. it's, it's a proven study that couples that don't post online as much as couples that do have more longevity in their relationship. People don't see the journey, and I think for you specifically is you've been doing this for 12 years and we're now sat in your beautiful R8 but people seem to think you did this last week 
you opened up a page. If you do, no, this is a message out there for people that are following influencers or people that have got Lamborghinis, whatever. If you do not see them working, if you do not see them talking about their business, how difficult yeah. it is, and that's the thing, the difficulty part, yeah. it's not fucking real. I can, I'm more than happy if anyone wants to DM me and say, is this guy legit? I'm very confident in telling you, I know who rents the supercars out because <laughs> I rent them to them. I rent these supercars out to the people that sell the courses on real estate, yeah. how to flip your house, how to leverage lending, how to uh, Amazon FBA. My God, these guys are richer than Jeff Bezos, aren't they? Come on, they're absolutely smashing it. If they're not working, if they're not yeah. you know, being realistic, it's not real. As hard as it is to understand because a lot of people get caught up in this world of materialism and seeing where they are in Dubai and yeah. wherever, whatever they're showing off in the Rolex on the wrist, which nine times out of 10 is fake. Yeah. It's not real. It's really, really difficult. It takes, well, it took me 10 years of graft and a lot of heartbreak and a lot of months where I was making little, little money. Just, and I had all those followers. I think the best kind of advice you get nine times out of 10 is free. And it's also yeah. self-realization of experimenting and trying things out. Yeah. One of the best things you can do as well out there, um, Google reverse search image. It's yes. your friend. Use it. Because if you go on there and you crop the photo, post it, I guarantee you 99% of the influencers out there are renting them cars and the same car is going to be on a car rental yep. company. It's either going to be, shout out guys, Eminence uh, Supercar Hire or PET yep. uh, based in the Midlands. My man Lord Aleem. Yeah, Lord Aleem. Yeah, no, there's uh, very interesting people out there and I think, you know, it's, it's an issue we have. It's not going away anytime soon. No. Just take everything with a pinch of salt and the government, unfortunately, in this case, is actually your best friend. Yeah, it's 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 a good protection. It's a yeah. good protection layer. Right, we'll wrap it up there, James. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. And uh, thank it. you for this. Awesome. And this, well, this is this is going out. If you've got any questions, feel free to drop me a line or on at Heath Hill Green. Not only the fake accounts. And then if you want to reach out to James, James, shout out your handle. Uh, yeah, my name James M C Eisen I S O N. Perfect. Thank you very much, and see you next time.